What's up, everybody? Welcome to Necromaniacs Podcast, episode number 61. It is the end of 2020. This is our 2020 year-end wrap-up, and it's been quite a year. What's up, guys? What's going on, guys? How you doing, guys? Yeah, 2020 has been, like, uh, quite a year, man. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) To say the least, and you know what? Um, I think we do have some new newer listeners, and uh, just you know, since today's a special episode, but we have all three of us, we'll do a brief brief introduction. Uh, this is Michael Scandato speaking, and um, yeah, take it away. Next, <laughs> this is Mike hey, Hill. How's it going? This is Jeff Kashid. How y'all doing? All right. Uh, this is only the second time ever we've had uh, the three of us on. Uh, the other time was, of course, our uh, Halloween uh, episode. Um, and it's great that we can do this. You know, uh, we usually, you know, we trade off each week, as the lawyer listeners know. And uh, we thought, you know, to wrap up the year, we would get all of us on at the same time. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of individually give our top five films of the year 2020. Yeah, man, 2020's been uh, a real grind for everybody, and I'm glad that uh, we made it to the end, man. And, uh, you know, hopefully 2021 proves to be a better year. And, um, but despite all that, there were some pretty cool films that came out in 2020. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to run down what we think our top five are, as well as maybe some Stuff that we thought came out this year, but actually came out last year. <laughs> so. Yeah, I had one of those. Yeah, and then there's the movies that, uh, like for me, I-, I caught literally in the past two to three weeks, those those damn December, November kind of movies that, you know, uh, I wish would have come out earlier in the year so that they kind of would have made a, a bigger impact for me. But I have to like mention them because they were so good. Including one I watched last night. So, really, last night, man, we really yeah. calling it close there, Mike. <laughs> I know, I know. It's not a top fiver, but it's definitely something worth mentioning. Uh, I, I think I got you beat. I watched one this morning that uh, I've been meaning <laughs> to get to. This morning, wow! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Jeff is is three hours behind Mike and I. So <laughs> Jeff was up at four a.m. this morning watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> 5 a.m. <laughs> 5, okay, 5 a.m. Yeah, I had trouble uh, sleeping con- consistently. So, like, I'll sleep for, like, a few hours, like, four hours, five hours, and I'll be up for an hour, and then I'll sleep for a couple more. Uh, if I ever, if I can't get back to sleep, I'll, I'll just fucking, I'll watch a movie. Why not? Wow. That's not, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I'll do that from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to put me in an early grave, but my lack of sleep, but, you know, it was worth it. Um, it would be uh, remiss to not mention, like, the fact that 2020 was obviously not at all a typical year um, on the mean? theatrical side. <laughs> um, we didn't get the chance to, to go to the movies all that much. I think the last movie I saw in the theater was in late February. Uh, I saw 1914, which I'm hoping I'm remembering the name of that war movie with the right year. 1917. Uh, a, 1917, sorry. Yeah. yeah, I knew I was going to mess that up. Uh, because it's been that kind of year. 
uh, and that was amazing. I, th I thought that was a great movie. Um, not not yeah. a horror film, of course, but it was a great uh, war movie. And that was the last movie I saw in a theater. What about you guys? Uh, I think that I have not, this is the first year than I ever that I can remember not going to the movies. I remember uh, thinking, I was like, oh, I want to go see this Invisible Man. It's playing at the theater around the corner. And that's when everything kind of went off the rails. Mm. And um, yeah, so I didn't make it to the movies this year. I think the last thing I saw in the theater was maybe uh, uh, The Lighthouse in 2019, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a bummer, man. Yeah, the last movie I saw in the theater uh, was Color Out of Space at, uh, at the IFC in New York City. And um, ah. yeah, that was, that was like a planned event for me. I was going to watch it in the afternoon. I was going to like, you know, do the old, uh, oh yeah, I got to go out. Uh, I got to leave the office today and uh, do something. You know? <laughs> and I went to go see the movie in the afternoon. So um, awesome. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty cool. I really, really wanted to see Tenet on the big screen. And although LA was completely shut down, San Diego uh, theaters, some theaters were open. They had an, they were playing in IMAX, and I really, really considered going to San Diego to see a fucking movie. But mm -hmm. ultimately, I just didn't think it was uh, the right thing to do. Yeah, I want to see Tenant as well. I mean, I think it was very uh, gutsy what they tried to do with it this year. You know, they they rolled it out anyway in any theater that that would that would show it. You know. Mm. Um, and it made some money, obviously, but it, it didn't do what they thought it was going to do. And then, of course, the plan for Wonder Woman was going to be a, a similar plan, um, which I, I don't know. I believe there are certain theaters in America that will be showing Wonder Woman on, on Christmas. But for the most part, it's 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 a it's a HBO Max exclusive. Yeah. And Warner Brothers just made that announcement that all of their 2021 movies are going to be released on HBO Max and theaters simultaneously. Simultaneously, and yeah. The filmmakers don't seem happy about it. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I get it, you know. Um, and even certain actors are not that thrilled about it. Yeah, so. yeah. How do you, what, what do you think about that? I mean, as a, you know, I like the idea of watching some brand new movie at the convenience of my own home, but I, I do miss the theater experience. I hope it doesn't go away. Yeah, I love going to the theater. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, going out to the movies nowadays is like, a, it's like a night out, you know what I mean? It's like this kind yeah. of, you know, tickets are pretty expensive, you know, it's like yeah. you get concessions, you know, you gotta, you gotta come, you gotta roll heavy if you're gonna go out to the movies these nights, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, back, you know, but I think that, it's worth it for certain films, you know what I mean? Like, um, like certain, you know, like, like I'm glad I got to see Color Out of Space in the movie theater because of the visuals, you know? Yeah. I was going to watch Wonder Woman. I'd want to see that out in a big screen, you know, in an IMAX theater or like something like that. And I hope that when things are, uh, are managed better with the pandemic, like once things are, you know, people are vaccinated and, you know, we see the results of all that and it's safe to go out that the theaters come back, man. I, I don't, I, I would think it's a, it would be a real loss if we lost movie theaters. Yeah, I think it's a temporary, long-term-ish uh, fix that I, I guess Warner has still, saw the writing on the wall, so to speak, with the theatricals for the next several months, you know, or half of, half of 2021. 
and they they pivoted as they say and they're and at the and at the same time they want to draw people to hbo max so it was mm. twofold so yeah you guys have like hbo max i do yeah i enjoy it actually i like hbo max yeah it's yeah. one of the better streaming services i think i uh during uh you know for anyone out there, I, I've been very busy for the last several months with uh, preparing for this exam. So I haven't really gone, done anything besides study. And uh, so I've been watching, re-watching old series on HBO Max. So I started with The Sopranos, right? I went through the entire, every, all the episodes, you know. And, uh, you know, I've watched one a night. And this whole thing's been going on since like the middle of the summer, basically. And, uh, and just recently, I, start, I started re-watching Oz. Which, oh, man. Uh, Dude, rough show, I know, but I it was a lot like more like artsier and like conceptual this time around than I remember it being. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously the whole premise of of the show is like completely unrealistic, but it at times it feels like you're watching a play almost. You know, it's it's absolutely uh, yeah yeah, and that was a, that predated The Sopranos. So everyone, you know, I, I think The Sopranos are probably one of the most important shows on television. But you also have to give some props to Oz for being like a, a very groundbreaking show that maybe paved the way a little bit for, for a show like The Sopranos. Yeah, absolutely. I watched Oz on the tool tour on the bus. It was a one time ISIS did a bus tour. So that, that always takes me back to, to, to that 2006 and being in the back of the bus and, and watching that show. And uh, I thought the first four seasons were fantastic. And then it just really shit the bed the last two. <laughs> I don't think I saw the last two seasons, you know, I think I kind of tapped out around the time that you're, you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd be curious to see what I think of it today. It's been, you know, 14 years since I've seen it. Um, I think uh, that might be the next show I, uh, I check out or rewatch. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. I just got yeah. showtime. Uh, so oh. I've been <laughs> rewatching some Dexter episodes. That show was not good. I loved it until the last season. The last season is bad. Uh, prior to that, it's very good. And now, of course, they're bringing it back uh, to, uh, you know, back to Miami in the 10 years after, apparently, the events of the last season. That's what I read. Oh, interesting. I didn't make it to the last season. I think I tapped out at, like, season six or seven. I can't, I can't remember. But I used to watch them film that show because they filmed it on my street and in my apartment building a lot. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I tried watching Dexter, like, I don't know how many times I tried to start watching that from the beginning, and I just lose interest, man. I don't know. I just, I feel as a horror fan, I should at least watch, you know, a couple of seasons, but I haven't been able to complete any of them. Yeah, a lot of older stuff is coming back. Uh, True Blood is apparently coming back uh, on HBO, <laughs> and Dexter's coming back on Showtime, and... I don't know. I mean, I guess it's cool, but maybe some new ideas, right? Maybe some new shows instead, right? Yeah. I, I, True Blood went off the rails for me, like, almost right away. I thought the season, <laughs> first, first season was entertaining, but like, it got really, really silly after that for me. It was first, like, hit, five minutes of episode one of True Blood <laughs> was awesome. I thought, I mean, it had, like, this real, like, dark vibe in, like, the first five minutes. Like when that dude goes into the uh, convenience store and there's like that, you know, gothed out, like Pete Steele style guy that's like pretending to be a vampire. Mm. And like the redneck dude 
actually was the vampire. Yeah, I thought that was a cool beginning. Yeah. Like that level, like I thought that was a very strong beginning to what ultimately became like a, a super cheesy, just like real, real. I, I just, I just didn't like True Blood at all. It was, it seemed like a, like a hot topic kind of, you know, 2005 goth chick kind of vibe sort of show. And I just wasn't into it, man. I yeah, have I to say, I'm in the minority. Party. I, I was a bit of a guilty pleasure the first few seasons, I gotta say. I enjoyed it. But, you know, different strokes for different folks. Right. <laughs> so, what did you think uh, about the horror movies of 2020? Was it a good year? Was it a bad year? Was it an okay year? What, what do you guys think? Hmm. I, I, I will use the good term years. good. Good. I will use, maybe not a great year. A good year. Um... I have to say, because of everything that was going on and, and you know, in my life and the pandemic and just, it wasn't a year that I devoured a, a lot of horror, new horror movies. It was not. Um, obviously, I watched a, a good little bunch. Um, but there's, you know, looking at the, uh, the top 20s and top 50s of, that have been released, like I saw this one very comprehensive list of every single horror movie released in 2020 that's online somewhere. Oh. Uh, that's worth looking uh, looking, seeking out. And I found myself going, man, I, I missed a bunch, you know? Um, because, I mean, you can't see everything. And if, if there was every year to say, well, you can't see everything, I feel like this might have been the year. <laughs> right. Uh, Michael, what of, do you think? I think it was a good year, not a great year. Um, I, I, we'll talk about some of the stuff I, I, I've been planning to watch all year too, but missed just because of time constraints this year. And, uh, but my, my one pick on here is like there, a movie came out this year that I thought is going to set the standard for future films to come. So mm. in a lot of ways, 2020 was a significant year in setting a new level of quality or uh, sci-fi horror films. So, you know, we'll get yes. to that and my thoughts on this film. So, yeah. Excellent. And yeah. Real fast, by the way, I do not know what any of Jeff or Mike's top five are. And I, I don't, you know, so it's going to be a little bit of a surprise for me. I don't know if you two shared amongst yourselves. Nope. Nope. Okay, nope. great. Cool. I have a feeling Mike and I are going to have some overlaps, though. I think um, so. There'll be a couple. There'll be, there'll be a couple I know of films that you don't, you straight up just didn't, don't share the same opinion about either just yeah yeah for sure together and all this other stuff so yeah definitely well for me you know like when i was trying to put together a top five i realized this year like there was four like movies i was really really excited about and that that the fifth spot could be filled with any like any movies i thought were just good so i thought there was four great movies this year and a bunch of good stuff and some stuff that was forgettable so i guess i'll kind of like you think this was an okay year for me as far as horror movies go you want to start the uh you want to go through the roll call we'll go through maybe start with you and then you know michael go then i'll take uh, the, the final spot we'll just run through our fives and move up the list and just each take a turn yeah okay starting with um you want to do some honorable mentions Maybe let's run through our top five, and then at the end, we'll, we'll bring up our all our honorable Okay, sure. All right. Well, I guess uh, you want me to start at number five? Yeah, go ahead, man. 
All right. Well, like I said, I had a tough time filling the spot. And this is a movie I watched uh, this morning and because uh, I really wanted to get to it. And I know, Mike, you had an opinion about this movie that's going to differ from mine. Uh, my number five is uh, The Dark and the Wicked mm. by uh, Brian Bertino, most famously, probably uh, most known for The Strangers. But he also directed an excellent movie a few years ago called uh, The Monster. And uh, Mike Hill, I'm kind of curious, though. What didn't you like about this movie? I just, um, I mean, the premise is pretty cool. I just found myself checking my phone through the movie all the time. And, and I, just, <laughs> I just lost interest. Man. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't dislike it. I just, the title was cool. I was like, all right, this sounds like a great movie. I read like a little, you know, other people were propping it up and, um, and I, it, it sounded just from the synopsis of the plot that I'd be really interested in it. Mm. And I guess I was just like uh, a little let down by the movie. I, uh, there were good scenes. It had its moments for sure. Uh, but I, like I said, I just, I couldn't, it didn't hold my attention, man. And um, yeah, that's, that's really my, my biggest complaint about it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Maybe it's cause I watched it, you know, like five in the morning, like on my laptop. <laughs> um, mm. I just found it like to be like a, a relentlessly nightmarish in, in, in tone and it just never lets up. It's just every scene is just filled with dread. Uh, I love the farm setting. Um, it was a cool movie. Uh, I guess I wasn't expecting much because a couple people other than you I talked to weren't really big fans of it. But I enjoyed it. It definitely had some flaws. It had a little bit of that MTV saw kind of editing in a couple spots. Right. Um, that I didn't dig. But overall, uh, really enjoyed it took took me by surprise um yeah and that's my number five as a as a result of it making your top five i have not seen it and I, I'm, I'm gonna check it out yeah you should i think it's definitely uh i think it's definitely worth checking out i really enjoyed it cool so uh, you want to go yours, mike yes sorry about that uh <laughs> My number five it was a dramatic pause, everybody. Um, <laughs> I really had to think about I, it. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, <laughs> my number five is The Beach House, uh, directed by Jeffrey Brown. Uh, I really like this movie. I, I thought it had really cool, you know, cosmic horror, H.P. Lovecraft vibes, but obviously, you know, in, in the modern setting. Um, it's a small, you know, film budget-wise and cast-wise, but I thought that they did a great job. Uh, you guys covered this one. On, we covered it on an episode of Necromaniacs, and I recall that you guys both enjoyed it as well. And it's a movie that just kind of stuck in my head throughout the year after seeing it, and uh, I definitely back it as a movie that our listeners should check out as well. Totally. Yeah. Um, I, it's on, it's on my list. It's on my list. Is it on yours too, Mike? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's yeah. a little higher up, but yeah, okay. I agree with everything you said. Um, this is a strange movie too. Cause it, it kind of got off on the wrong foot for me. And I was like, I don't know if I'm, I'm into this. And then about like 30 minutes in the movie really grabbed me and, and, and didn't let go. And I agree, man, for, for a first time director, he really seemed to have good grasp on, on yeah. tone and atmosphere and just like, tightly telling like a real uh, 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 that story great movie man yeah i look forward to his uh, his his next work 100 um you know 
a great kickoff to, uh, you know, uh, for film debut. Uh, I thought the performances were great. Um, just a cool, you know, creepy movie. Absolutely. It also features uh, Jake Weber. Uh, you know, he's like one oh, of those yeah. actors where like, he shows up in these movies and you're just like, where have I seen this guy before? You know, and, and uh, I, I, I generally like that guy. When he's like some, un, you know, you kind of notice him. He's like, he's like scenery almost, you know, and mm-hmm. he's in a lot of stuff. And his part of the, his role in this film was like, when he just, there's a scene that's like so like heavy and intense where he just gets up and walks, walks into the ocean. That's it. That's yeah. And the, the special effects for a small film in this were fantastic. That's uh, definitely worth mentioning too. Yeah. I love that shot of like those like slimy pods on, 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 on the beach that have like washed yeah. on the beach. And it's just a real quick shot. You only see him for a second, but it, it's such a great moment. Cool. Yeah. So my number five is uh, a Russian film called Sputnik, which um, oh, okay. I didn't love it, but I liked it. Like, I, I thought it was an entertaining film. I thought it was, uh, you know, it's a creepy sci-fi horror, which is a, a genre that I particularly like. And, um, yeah, it's uh, directed by this guy, you know, by Igor Abramenko. And, um it's in Russian, so you have to read subtitles if you want to check it out. Uh, I don't know if it's um, streaming on any. I, I actually rented it because I'd read about it. It sounded really cool. Where it's basically an astronaut. There's a mission in space. You know, the astronaut comes back to Earth, and he's carrying a symbiotic alien inside of his body. And um, yeah, it harkens back to Alien. Um, but it's a lot more. It gets a little action adventure at the end, but I thought it was uh, it was a pretty solid movie and um, definitely worth checking out. Um, yeah, where did that, you see it, that Mike? Was... And you Sorry. guys heard of this movie? No, no. Where, where yeah, did you, definitely. you hear about it? Was, I... I, um, I read about it, I think, in Room Org, and, uh, and then I just did a search for it, and it was on iTunes, so I figured I'd, I'd rent it because it sounded cool. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I wanted to get to that. I think I read about it on Bloody Disgusting or something, and it sounded interesting, and then I just completely completely forgot about it. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, also, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, the tone of the movie fits, like, what the United States uh, would perceive uh, Russia to be like, too. You know what I mean? It has, like, this kind of overbearing, gray, like, overcast vibe to the whole movie, which is, like, you know, what most Americans probably think Russia's actually like, which uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Have you ever traveled there with, with tombs or anything? No, no, I've never been or been there. Have you Have you guys been to Russia? No. Yeah, yeah, once. I, I've been once. Um, Is it like exactly, that? Yeah, it's exactly like <laughs> you just described it. And um, it, it, it was cool. But at the same time, like, I never really felt welcome. Like, I kind of felt like I had to walk on eggshells around everyone. Maybe that's just my perception maybe that's not how it really was but uh, it was it was a great show i mean it was insanely packed and then the crowd was very enthusiastic and uh i think i inhaled like eight cartons of cigarettes at that one show i mean everyone was smoking (laughs) um but you know you don't get too many films out of russia really do you i mean how many russian films have you seen not not very many actually you know yeah 
think, you know, like, you know, Solaris, uh, Stalker, the uh, Tarkovsky films, uh, uh, those are the only ones I can really think of that I've seen that have come from Russia. So you want it, what's your, uh, what's your four, Jeff? Well, um, it's funny you meant the end of Sputnik turned into an action adventure. My number four is a little bit more in that vein than uh, other movies on the list. My number four is uh, VFW by Joe Begos. Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah. Need to see it. Didn't get to see it yet, unfortunately. Um, I saw it originally in 2019 at Beyond Fest. Uh, they were screening that and Bliss and in between uh, VFW and Bliss, the cast came out and did a Q&A. And uh, seeing this in a packed theater uh, where people were kind of drunk, or <laughs> some people were kind of drunk, was the, uh, the, the, the proper way to see this movie, seeing with an audience, everyone's hooting and hollering and laughing and clapping. It was just a, a really, really good time. And um, it was the first time, I believe, uh, Joe Vegos has been hired for a movie. I think he, he wrote everything up to that himself. And um, so he was a hired gun on this one and had a bigger budget, but I still think the budget was under a million. And uh, I think it shows, man. I think it's a big step up for him uh, as a director. I thought the, the cast was perfect. The dialogue was great. You know, a lot of times you watch these movies where old buddies are getting together and you just fucking cringe at the way they talk to each other. It just doesn't roll off the tongue feels unnatural uh this you really bought the camaraderie between the the, the these vets and you can s just see on screen how much fun everyone's having uh just mm. a great fun movie real throwback to like a john carpenter uh assault on precinct uh 13 it's a good time man and and it played well on the small screen when it was just me and my, and my girlfriend watching it too yeah, I own a copy of this actually, and um, it was this was gonna be my number five actually, and um, I, I just Sputnik just edged this one out just maybe because of um, the uh, the sort of uh, overcast vibe of the film, which is oh you know I, I kind of like gravitate towards towards that the tone of the movie had this very dreary tone, but uh, but yeah, I mean I'm a fan of Vegas's work. I thought Bliss was was amazing. That was like me too. That's probably my favorite of his films so far. Is Bliss. Mine too. Uh, but yeah, VFW, like I had like that 80s, like sort of um, exploitation, like like punk, like the bad punkers, you know, and yeah. leather jackets and everything. I just thought that was really cool too. It's funny, yeah. Although I haven't seen it, I, <laughs> I will say that yesterday on um, the horror nerd discussion group on Facebook, somebody posted a bad review of it and mm. was like attacked. <laughs> because nobody agreed with this bad review. So was it like was some funny. woke, like woke person attacking it? Um. Yeah. 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 So. Well, like um, yeah. Uh, I will say it was a newly woke person, but uh, uh, that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, but <laughs> oh, nobody agreed with his opinion, and maybe one other person said, "Yeah, I didn't think it was that good," but 99.9 percent .9 of the people were. Well, I can understand yeah. not liking it, but I, I don't think there's anything in there that anyone would call problematic. I, I think you'd really, really have to be looking for something like that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, man. People are, are looking for that kind of thing. And, and um, I mean, 
you know, let's let's remember that at least in, in VFW there was a diverse cast. I mean, there was an African American guy. You know, it was like it was like a, you know strong women like kicking ass. Like I don't I don't think there's there should be any any reason for anyone to attack it for not being like some kind of like progressive thought you know sort of thing. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, definitely. And like I, I don't know. I guess some people just can't have fun with a movie. Uh, that, that's 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 where we're at. Uh, I, I also got to point out the score by Stephen Moore is, is excellent. Probably his best work as a composer. Yeah, Steve Moore is great, man. And he's done a bunch of uh, of their films, right, Stephen Moore? He's done all of them. Yeah, he's done all of them. Yeah, wow. that's what I thought. I got to see these movies. I, I'm, such, uh, I'm like so behind. Um, I've heard of Bliss. And VFW was one of these ones that I've been wanting to see all year. But I'm definitely just going to see it. And you know, yeah, they, he's got some some other sh- other films like you know Almost Humans, really cool. Um, you know, I, I would start with you know go back. I would go and I would watch all of his films. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Mind's Eye is really great. Yeah, Mind's Eye. If anyone's interested, I, I have an interview with Joe Bigos and Josh Ethier, which was in uh, issue one of uh, We Do We Do What We Want, the uh, official Holy Mountain uh, publication. Oh, it's only available in print, which I think is cool. You know, <laughs> you, can't watch, you can't look at it online. You got to buy the magazine. The magazine's got a bunch of other cool stuff in it, too. Cool. Awesome. All right. I'm going to get to my number four, which I have a funny feeling is on both of your lists. And it is The Lodge, directed by Veronica France and Severin Fiala. That's pretty cool. Your name is Severin, you know? I like that name. It's a great... DVD company, and uh, I just think it's <laughs> um, yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, man, this was this was quite a film, um, and also it's a holiday film. It's a new Christmas uh, tradition, uh, The Lodge. <laughs> wow, that that's a very bleak movie to to celebrate the holidays with. <laughs> yes, it is. But technically, I mean, if you know, if Die Hard is a Christmas film. This is a Christmas film. It's set at Christmas. So there you go. It's a Christmas film. I can just um, see a family unwrapping their presents like under the tree while that's the lodge playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> that's the really edgy families. Um, but yep. Ah, man, you guys did a great rundown of this uh, on, on your episode a few weeks back. And I know both of you enjoyed it very much. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Mike and I covered Goodnight Mommy a few years ago, a movie that we really dug. Yeah, that's and, a great one. Um, just disturbing. Um, Franz and Fiala are, are into disturbing people and, and dark, you know, psychological kind of very off-kilter uh, horror, I think. I think we're going to be seeing some other amazing things from them in the future as well. Um, Riley Keough was amazing in this movie. Uh, the two children were, were great, but, I man, I just... I just hated their, I just hated those children so much, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think those directors <laughs> hate children. Oh, definitely. Yes, they do. <laughs> Very good point. Uh, yeah. Um, not, not fans of kids. <laughs> good Night Mommy was highly disturbing. I could not get that movie out of my head after I saw it. And The Lodge made me feel the same way. I just felt... Like I needed a shower after that, a warm shower. Like that, the coldness of the film seeps into your bones. 
Like, yeah, the ending, man. Oof. I mean, I didn't know how it was. I'm not going to spoil the ending um, now. I, I want uh, people to see it who haven't seen it. Um, that ending was, I mean, I didn't know where it was going to go. And, and then, you know, it was just a, a, a bum out. But the movie overall is, is a great film. It's a great horror film. Um, yeah, that is my, my number four with a bullet. Yeah, it's on my list too. For sure. Uh, I also want to point out that has the saddest uh, Thanksgiving dinner scene ever. Where they just... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that movie is, is just... It, it is depressing almost from frame one, and it does not let up. Um, you know what? Wow. It, it, it now belongs to the ranks of films that cover <laughs> Thanksgiving and Christmas in the same movie. How do you like that? So, folks, we've got... It, it's almost like Trading Places. Trading Places covers... Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. It's one of the few movies that ever, you know, has ever done that. And now we have The Lodge that does a Thanksgiving, <laughs> Christmas transition. So Amazing. If you're looking for holiday treat, treats, this is, uh, this is one of your films. <laughs> All right. Michael, I believe you're up. So my number four is Come to Daddy, directed by Aunt Timpson, who... Brought us the Greasy Strangler, um, <laughs> Deathgasm, and he has an entry in the ABCs of Death. And uh, also stars, you know, features one of my uh, favorite actors, uh, Stephen McCaddy, the Canadian. And, um, yeah. you know, Elijah Wood's in it, Martin Donovan. Um, very, uh, I, I entered this film not knowing what it was about. And it was just on one of these random nights this year. I was like, you know, I want to watch something new, take a chance. Um, over the years, I've, I've grown to really uh, respect uh, Elijah Wood, man. I think that, uh, you know, his, his um, importance within genre films has been very, uh, has been, you know, like he's really added a lot to the whole like genre film uh, world with his, uh, you know, his production company and, He's a, he's a, you know, a champion of horror films and all that. And I really dug it, man. It's, um, there was like a really cool, like switcheroo in the beginning, you know, like, um, Elijah Woods, this kind of, uh, you know, failing music composer, you know, artist, whatever. And he's reconnecting with, uh, with a former, um, with, with like his uh, stepfather or his original father and shows up and it just, mayhem ensues and uh you know it's darkness and violence and it has a very downbeat ending and uh yeah definitely have any of you guys seen that movie i've seen it um no i've not yeah uh yeah the movie is like it, it kind of rides the line between being a horror comedy and just like a straight-up horror I, yeah. it does have this kind of playful tone to it and it is like outwardly funny in, in certain scenes i remember yeah yeah in, in some ways, it reminded um, me almost of Fargo. You know, like Fargo would, would have like some really, even, I mean, Fargo is obviously not a horror film, but mm. there's like some brutality in that movie that happens. And it comes oftentimes on the tails of, a, of the tale of a funny scene. Right. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, you know, there'll be some like funny scenario. And then next thing you know, this guy's getting chopped up in a wood chipper, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... I, this one didn't leave a huge impression on me, but uh, maybe I'll have to go back and give it a rewatch. Because it was definitely, I remember thinking, like, oh, that was okay. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. And it had moments I really liked. But 
that that might be uh, due for me to see again for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the films that I I want that's always kind of it's come across the the streaming screen so to speak. Uh-huh. I'd be like, huh, this looks interesting, but I didn't get around to seeing it. And if it's from the guy from uh, Greasy Stranger, I, that's a, that's another one. I, I've I, I wondered, is that a horror film or is it not a horror film? Yeah, it's it's like one of those offbeat like uh, Elijah Wood style films. You know what I mean? Like okay. those kind of uh, what's the name? Was Spectrovision? Is the name of his production company? Um, that they have a lot of like. If, if he's if he's behind the production on it some on some level, I usually pay attention to it because I think mm-hmm. that you know like cooties and stuff like that. You know, it might not the synopsis of the of the storyline might not be interesting to me, but it's like I feel like his company is pretty discerning about scripts and, and they want to keep a high level of quality. So, uh, so his involvement in something, and it's funny because I, I never really, I always thought of him, you know, oh, it's you know, Frodo Baggins, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I think that when he was in Sin City, I was like, wow, you know, there's, he's got some, like some grit to him, to what he can do. And, and I, yeah. over these last five years, I've like really appreciated him. And then, of course, uh, his maniac turn to me turned the corner for him, and mm-hmm. that's what I, I haven't looked at him the same since. And I've kind of yeah. been, you know, yeah, a, a fan, yeah, since. Yeah, interesting yeah, so career maybe- after like he was in the biggest franchise, uh, one of the biggest franchises in the world. I don't think anyone didn't see those Lord of the Rings movies, and so he probably could have done, gone and done whatever he wanted, and. You know, he, he's gone and produced a lot of, like, genre films and been genre films. Interesting choice. Like, yeah. Like, oh, you know, just going to do what I want. And he, he's also been spotted at a lot of, like, metal and punk shows, apparently. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good for him, man. Be cool to meet him. You know, he's probably a good guy to have a drink with, you know. <laughs> I saw him uh, right before the pandemic uh, hit. I'm just walking down the street. Like, oh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not polite to stop and bother people. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> There's a show on Shudder. There's this, um, it's like a, you know, one, one of their series that they have. Uh, it's, I think it's maybe seven or eight episodes. And it's like a talk show um, called Core. And they had Elijah Wood and some of his, uh, you know, partners over at Spectrovision uh, on one episode. And, uh, you know, they talked about forming the company and all this other stuff and the things they, you know, and uh, fucking really, seems like a really cool guy, you know? Yeah. So this, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Cooties earlier. I, I find that's a really underrated movie. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, me too. And it took me like a while to even decide whether or not I wanted to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of silly and funny, but it is still like gruesome and, and fucked up. It's, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, the horror element, it oftentimes, like I find like comedy added to horror in very specific ways. It, like, it has to be done very specifically to be successful. And I think that movie kind of did it successfully. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, where are we at? Number three? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we covered my number three already. Mine was The Beach House. And uh, yeah, not much more I can say about it. I'm glad all three of us are in agreement that. It was a, a great movie, a really strong debut. And if you're a horror fan, you definitely got to see this one. Awesome. All right. We can jump ahead to my number three. 
which was the second to last film I saw in 2020 in the theater. And that was, of course, The Invisible Man. Mm. Um, I think this is a prime example of mainstream horror done well. Uh, Big budget mainstream horror done well. I just really enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I thought Elizabeth Moss was great. Um, And I am hopeful now for the potential future of the Universal Monsters franchise, which is uh, in the works because apparently uh, director Lee Wano is going to be handling Wolfman. So, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed this. They really tried to jumpstart that dark universe on, on, the, on the wrong foot. I didn't see that Tom Cruise mummy movie. Did you? Oh, yeah. I saw it in the theater. Oh, <laughs> oh, how, oh. by myself. How, <laughs> how bad oh. is it? Um, is it really it that bad? It starts okay. It starts okay, actually. I think the, it, I remember I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then it just, I don't know. It gets really off the rails and silly. It gets kind of silly. It loses any kind of moodiness that it had and any kind of like, you know, dark tone it may have had, but it just got really kind of goofy and silly. And I'm like, yeah, they're, they're not building the, the new universal franchise on this movie. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, however, I thought the invisible man was, was dark and serious and had some great, you know, scares and had some violence and i just i don't know i just enjoyed the hell out of it for like a mainstream horror movie yeah uh yeah uh it's one of the best opening 10 or so minutes to a a horror movie i've seen in quite a while that's such a well done scene of her escaping from this this mansion and Mm. it was so tense and, and so well done i gotta say that movie i did like it a lot like but Around the halfway point, it got a little out of hand for me, like uh, from the mm-hmm. asylum on, you know, and it just mm-hmm. kind of becomes like, uh, you know, him like they just kill like a bloodbath, just him killing a bunch of people. And a lot <laughs> of like the, the suspense sort of just like went out of the movie for me. Uh, what did you think of how it ended, guys? I how thought the ending was kind of silly, too. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> See, I like how it, you know, can potentially set up her and you know i, I thought that was cool i, thought, I, I don't to want say, to like yeah, go ahead, when is elizabeth moss going to get a break man you know what i mean like <laughs> when is when is she ever going to be in a movie where it's like it, things are like you know i don't know she always seems to be in these like totally downtrodden roles even going all the way back to mad men you know yes. what I mean? yeah good point good point mike she needs a nice romantic co- she needs a break she needs yeah. a romantic comedy. She needs some type of love movie. Yes, this poor woman. She's always in peril and death and doom and destruction. Yeah, like bags <laughs> under her eyes, you know. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you know, I, I would like to see her in a movie where things kind of like go smoothly for her. For yes, work out, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe Invisible Man too. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't want to spoil the ending, but I'll just say like the like the, the cop just letting her walk away. <laughs> it was just absurd. There was a lot of absurdities <laughs> in that movie, but I, I agree. Yeah. For like a mainstream horror movie, it, it was really good. And that director, uh, it was a big step up for him. You know, um, his yeah. last movie he directed was uh, God, what was that called? Well, he's been a part of the whole Saw franchise. Right. Well, right. He wrote those. Hold on a second. I'm pulling it up here. Oh, he, he's he, Insidious 3. 
Oh, I didn't see that one. He directed Insidious 3. I mean, he's had his hand in in the Insidious franchise and the Saw franchise. Okay. And he did a movie called Upgrade. Upgrade. Which I did not see. Upgrade, that's the movie I was thinking of. That was kind of an enjoyable trash, like really silly and, and dumb, but like kind of kind of a fun movie to watch with your friends. It was all right. This is a big step up for Invisible Man. Yeah, made a ton of money too. I mean, so yeah, he's 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 in he's in good uh, shape. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think this is gonna start start off that universe uh, on on the right foot. I'm curious to see like the other Universal monsters in like a. A, a modern context like this, or like a reimagining, like they did with the Invisible Man. Yeah, me too. So they're All doing right. a Wolfman. They're doing a Wolfman movie. Yes, that's uh, according to his IMDb pre-production Wolfman. And so it's, um, there's there's going to be a Dracula movie at some point too. Then another Dracula. I heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I would like there to be like a, a Wolfman like kind of werewolf by night series. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that would be really cool. You know? Yeah, like uh, I, I would watch that. You know, every I would oh, watch yeah. several seasons of that. I think that'd be cool. <laughs> did, did you guys see the Benicio del Toro Wolfman movie? Oh, we covered Mike it. I love it. We covered it. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I thought it was terrible. I really, really? Didn't like oh. it. <laughs> well, I, I was I mean, Mark Romanak was originally supposed to direct, and I was really, really excited uh, about that. He's made uh, one of my favorite films, Never Let Me Go, with Andrew Garfield. Uh, you want to talk about depressing? That movie is a fucking downer. Um, but then it was directed by like the Joe Johnson or something, the the Jurassic Park three guy. Like I don't know, just it didn't do it for me. It had it had cool atmosphere more than I thought, but I just I thought the effects were really bad, and the movie mm. was just sort of I don't know, like just limp to me. I enjoyed it. I I thought it reminded me of uh, like. It definitely had some of the, the, the old school Hammer vibes, and then some of it did remind me a bit of Bram Stoker's Dracula. And uh, I don't know; I think I'm just a sucker for those kind of movies, you know. Mm. Yeah, I, it, I just, it, it looked too modern to me, I guess, if that makes any sense. Like, the, hmm. I, yeah, didn't do it for me, but it's okay. We don't have you to agree. Do? <laughs> that's a, that's true. We do not. We do uh, not have to agree. <laughs> Uh, Mike Hill, I guess you're up. My number three was the Beach House. So, oh, okay. You know, we already talked about that one, but you know, once again, I'll 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 give more props to that movie. It was uh, I'm I'm a big fan of cosmic horror. I mean, I'm you know love H.P. Lovecraft and like Clark Ashton Smith and you know that kind of stuff. And uh, anytime like uh, a movie sort of uh, reaches into that genre for me, I'm I'm at least interested. And the beach house, I did, you know, Jeff, you actually recommended this to me. And I was like, what the hell is this about? Like, uh, you know, like a getaway, you know, like, it's like, like young kids. Like, I, I, I had no idea what the movie was about, you know, the beach house. It's like kind of like a bizarre title for this type of film. But uh, I, I was all over it, man. You know, just the, the sort of foreshadowing, you know, and, and um, you know, talking about biology and, you know, the un, under the, you know, the ocean and, you know, that kind of stuff, man. It just really touched on a lot of different topics for me that I really enjoy. Yeah, it's almost like you can probably set another movie or two in this universe because it's a small yes, you could. story with something really big is going on. So, yeah, you know, totally. who knows? You could see more of these and I wouldn't oppose to it. No, no. And, 
yeah, it was cool. A small cast, you know, and, and uh, you know, the, the practical effects they did looked really cool. And then, you know, the CGI stuff I thought wasn't like, you know, cartoonish, you know, and uh, great acting, you know, and just all around like a, a home run in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, I loved it. Well, uh, that would bring me to my number two, which we also discussed. Mine was uh, The Lodge. Oh, great. Really loved the, the whole mood of this movie. I can't wait to see more from these directors. I hope they do like a Kids or Evil trilogy and do another like, bad kids <laughs> mm, movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, really looking forward to see what, what they have in, in store for us. This is one of the bleakest things I've seen in a long time. And a mark of a good horror movie is that it, it, it stays with you, it disturbs you. And uh, this one definitely did that. It almost had, um, I'm not saying the movie is anything like this, but it, 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 uh, the feelings that it gave me were the same feelings I had the first, you know, when I first saw The Shining, like back, you know, mm. back in the day. You know, The Shining is another cold film and uh, it takes place in the winter, you know, it's this claustrophobic vibe, isolation. And that's sort of what The Lodge had, was this, like, isolation, cold winter, you know, the, the elements are also playing a big part in the horror aspect of the film. And, yeah, it's all around it. Was, I, I just love the movie, too. I have well, a, I... a question to pose. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, I, I want to hear your question. Sorry. Do you think that had the kids not pushed Riley Keough's character to the edge like that, that she was already unstable and something would have happened? Or do you think that she, that everything was going to be a, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's one of my biggest was like, you know, questions. I was like, was this all the kids fault or was she already nut burgers? And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, because of her whole, you know, uh, upbringing and like you know life story and what do you think? I think you know, I, I've thought the yeah. same thing actually. Believe it or not, you know. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know. Well, there's, there's, there's. I think something eventually would have pushed her over the edge. I think they kind of hint that she's unstable. She's taking medication. She's hiding it from everyone. Mm -hmm. I think eventually, like I, I think eventually, a disaster would have happened with with that family i think it was inevitable mm -hmm. um yeah yeah and i think the kids were, were unstable you know they're dealing with their the death of their mother and you know um they didn't like her to begin with you know <laughs> so it's kind of like a, a a joint like crashing of awfulness in a way yeah <laughs> well when mike and i discussed it the real villain of the movie is the father i think <laughs> yes, yeah, totally he is. is. <laughs> yes, he is. He sure is. Like uh, leaving just, them all together alone. <laughs> yeah, it was just a colossally stupid idea, and trying to force uh, uh, her down their throat after their mother's death that they're clearly not over. He was just really selfish. Um, here's a question. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll pose. Mike Hill and I we we sort of disagreed a little bit on the ending. Where Mike Hill, uh, you thought it was more open to interpretation than I did. I think, I don't know. I, I feel like at some point, I mean, about what she ended up doing with the kids, you mean? Like well, in the final scene? 
Mike, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you think that maybe there's a possibility that they really are dead at the end? Yeah, that that was the one. That was something that I was playing around with. But you know, as time goes by, you know, I'm starting to think that like, yeah, like it was more. That, that's just uh, you know my love of supernatural shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I um I think that as the months went by since we talked about it, because I watched the movie again. You know. Oh, nice. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, they, 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 they weren't dead. You know? Right. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll rescind my original analysis of that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting take on it, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the father, you knew right, right quick, you knew that guy was a tool, like in the beginning, <laughs> when his, uh, his wife comes over and he offers her some coffee. And it's, oh, I mean, here's instant. I'm like, well, what kind of jackass? Like, you know. <laughs> Like that, that reminds me of, of like, I don't know, man. I, would, if you went to a nice house like that, right? Some guy offered you uh, instant coffee. I would think immediately that guy was a jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> that's something I missed because I don't drink coffee. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice touch though. I mean, I, I'm sure that it, uh, was probably intentional. And, you know, and, and just to the question that you posed earlier, I, I think that there was just bound to be just doom, doom in that whole, you know, family yeah. scenario. You got this totally selfish father. You got these kids who had to, you know, go through their mother committing suicide. And then real quick, some young woman who is like an ex-cultist, <laughs> you know, thrust into yeah. their lives. Yeah. And then the father bails and leaves them isolated in some icy northern wilderness. And it's ba- something bad is bound to happen. I agree. Not the, Not the father yeah. of the year. Not the father of the year. Yeah, no, just the complete buffoon. So, uh, which brings me to, to, to me for number two? Yes. Yes. All right. Here we go. I think some of you know what it might be. It is mm-hmm. Color Out of Space, everybody, oh. by Richard Stanley. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, Mr. Hill and I are big Stanley fans. Uh, I, we, we both enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Uh, I thought it was a great comeback for Richard Stanley after so many years kind of lingering on, on the fringes of, of making another feature film again. And I'm just so happy that it did so well and got so much press and, you know, another, another kind of horror home run for uh, Nicolas Cage after Mandy. I just think all the, the stars kind of aligned kind of on this one as well, um, based on the HP Lovecraft story of the same name. Um, yeah, this was, this movie was awesome. And I, you know, I got the Blu-ray, <laughs> which is always a sign that I enjoyed a movie that I want to go out and buy it. Um, what more can be said about Color Out of Space? It's uh, something you guys, I, I know, discussed. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah. Mike, you, Mike Hill, you really liked it too, didn't you? Yeah, this is actually, just, just to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, just to cut to the chase, this is also my number two. And, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, yes. Yeah, it's, there's so much, uh, look, I'm, I'm just one of these, like, Richard Stanley believers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, we have Mike and I have a mutual friend who uh, loves Metallica, you know, even even there and refuses to acknowledge that some of their record that the only really good records by them happened like <laughs> 20 years, 30 years ago at this point. 
So I'm I'm like the equivalent of our mutual friend when it comes to like Richard Stanley and you know yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, but I I thought it was a great film. I I, I loved it. It you know um, I also own the Blu-ray. I watched it again uh, a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, maybe two weeks ago I watched it again and really enjoyed it. And um, the tone of the movie was cool. And uh, I I'm a fan. I I really hope that we have more of this from Richard Stanley. And um, yeah, also the film had a bunch of Easter eggs in it too. Like all this, like these like nods, like uh, like the, the main character, the guy who's the surveyor, he's holding mm-hmm. that book Willows, which is, um, I can't remember the guy's name, man. He's uh, the author's name, but he's like, you know, one of the guys from the 1800s that uh, inspired um, Lovecraft's writing. Like he's like thought of as like uh, similar to Richard Chambers, this kind of, um, you know, purveyor, harbinger of like the weird fiction genre. Mm, mm, right. The guy who wrote The King in Yellow and, you know, all that. Yes. Kind of mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then there's also in the kids' room, there's like uh, a reference to um, to the Mark V from uh, Hardware, you know, like all. Yes, Mark, uh-huh, yeah, that. that's right. That's right. It's like cool little little fan stuff like that. And, and yeah, that's, that's, I'm a fan, you know, just, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll back Richard Stanley to the bitter end. I guess that's the kind of guy. Me too. I just think ah. he did a good job of taking very old and very particular prose, you know? I mean, some people, even some, some horror people, not every horror person loves H.P. Lovecraft's writing. They just can't, they can't get on board with it. It's a little difficult. It's a little, you know what I'm saying? Slow. Yeah. Um, but I think he took it and, and put a, a, a great, modern spin and a great modern you know touch uh to it and uh, that's not easy mm. and also like he kept intact some of the some of the text though too like even in the beginning the yeah. intro you know like when it when it fades in there's like the shots of the wilderness and all that and then the outro at the end where that's like you know pretty much right from the book really yeah that's what i thought like, that was right so cool the short story rather the short story yeah yeah mm-hmm I uh, I wish I loved the movie as much as you guys did. It, it, this was a close, but I didn't hate it, but it was like a close, but no cigar for me. Nicolas Cage completely derails this movie for me. And I just wish Richard Stanley would have reined him in a little more and give a consistent performance. I mean, he is all over the place and he is just going full Nicolas Cage. I don't think he went full Nicolas Cage here. I think Mandy is more of an example of full Nicolas Cage. And I think he did rein it in a little bit in this movie. Really interesting. Because at one, at one point, it sounded like he was doing a Donald Trump impression. I, I remember, like, he just had this thing he was doing with his voice. Well, you know, he was doing, he's doing two different, there, there, the re, there's a, a reason for that. There's, like, in the beginning of the film, they talk about how um, he doesn't want to become his father, right? Mm-hmm. So when he was doing the Donald Trump voice, that was him manifesting his father, actually. Because it, it, he jokes about it when they're standing on the porch with his, uh, with, um, with the wife and he does an impression of his father. So under all the duress and the weird, uh, color influence that's going on in certain periods, you can see him snap in and out of being, uh, you know, himself. Um, and then also being his father, you know? So that, that's why he has like that, that Trump style, of uh, you know, thing going on with his voice, with speech mm-hmm. patterns. 
it reminded me a lot of his performance in Bad Lieutenant. Where oh, like, oh, oh, that's another one I like. The, yeah, I <laughs> love that movie. Yeah, the, I uh, love that movie. Yeah, the Werner Herzog version of Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. And he goes batshit in that. But like halfway through the movie, he's just completely like seems to be a different character. But they, you know, he's also on like 10 different drugs. So that like kind of explains it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, well, that, that movie called for some unhinged performances, too. I mean, you know, even the, the, the classic Abel Ferrara film starring uh, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, you, know, you got it. It's like a on the rails, off the rails, you know, type of thing, man. It's like, I think it really called for that, you know. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to, uh, you know, apparently... Um, Richard Stanley is going to be doing the Dunwich Horror next, which I hope uh, I hope happens. Um, Jeff, would you will you give him a, a, another shot, uh, Mr. Stanley? Or? Of course, I love Hardware. I think it, it's one of my favorite sci-fi horror movies. Uh, yeah. Dust Devil was uh, I watched Dust Devil when I got my wisdom teeth removed, and I was on heavy painkillers, and I found it to be a fun experience watching that movie. I can't tell if it's any good or not. It's been so long, but I, he's an interesting director. I mean, to come back and make a movie like this good after not doing it for so long. And, and, and that's like, I guess, like I said, I didn't hate it. It is technically, you know, a well-made film. It looks great. I mean, the colors, everything. Yeah, it's a great really blend of like digital and practical effects. It, it just, uh, for me, it was, I think it was Nicolas Cage. I think that's what threw it, uh, threw it off. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I would love to see him do the Dunwich. I'd love to see anyone do the Dunwich Horror. I think we need to see more Lovecraft on, on screen. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I, um, have you guys seen Lost Souls, like that documentary about uh, Richard Stanley's involvement with Island of Dr. Moreau? I did. What? That was great. Oh, man. In complete insanity. <laughs> it was yeah. really wild. Yeah, yeah. that was cool. I, I really would love to see a, a Moreau, a, Island of Dr. Moreau. That would be great if they... If you know, say he's successful with these three Lovecraft films, and they remake the Island of Doctor Moreau and let him do it, that would be fucking incredible. I think that yeah, that would, that would be, be poetic. I remember seeing Doctor Moreau in the theater, and like even back then, thinking like, God, well, this is a fucking train wreck. Yeah, it was terrible. You know, I wanted to love it too. That Veruza Balk was in it, and like I don't know, I just thought it was cool. Marlon Brando, you know, Veruza Balk was willing to like. Like, like derail her acting career for Richard Stanley. She really was going to go to bat for him, as it shows in the documentary. Mm. And it, it's kind of interesting. I wonder if that did hurt her. Because what do you see her in? Nothing. Yeah, yeah I'm almost nothing. Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you, man. I honestly couldn't tell you. She was originally in The Sopranos, but uh, they reshot her scene for like once the show went into like reruns and stuff. She was going to be the FBI agent that flipped uh, Christopher's girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, wow. Adriana. Yep. Adriana. Yeah. I remember seeing like, oh, like in the, in the next season, like, oh, they recast Verusa Balt's part. Weird. So I, yeah, me too, there. Man. I got stoked and then suddenly she was gone when the season came back. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, well where are we next? At? Number twos. Well, uh, I just I just gave everyone my was your uh, number two was my number two and uh, okay, sorry, sorry. and like yeah I'm a, I'm a you know Richard Stanley uh, believer man I want I, I want him to join Tombs man I would love to <laughs> now like 
Michael Moorcock was like involved with, uh, with like Blue Oyster Cult somehow. Like he was like a sort of silent member of the band. <laughs> Maybe I can get Richard Stanley to join Tombs that way. I mean, that would be cool. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're up to you for your number one, Jeff, I believe. Um, I don't think this will come as a surprise uh, to anyone who's talked to me in the last couple months. Um, <laughs> Mike and I just talked about this movie, um, Possessor. We have, I believe, a trifecta. Dude, I really? think that's my number one as well, man. I'll I have a number one trifecta, folks. A that's necromaniacs insane. first. How Possessor fucking great is, is this movie? <laughs> this man. Like I, I you know, I, I kinda teased it earlier where I was saying this is like probably one of the most important genre films to come out in decades, really, in my opinion. So yeah, I, I have nothing but great thing to say about this movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, same. I think, uh, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree with the Cronenberg family. <laughs> um, yeah, I need to see his prior film now, Brendan uh, Cronenberg's, um, what's it called? Oh, Antiviral. Antiviral, yes. That is on my the, the top of my short list of films to see. Yeah, this movie was, was a doozy, man. Um, you know, I mean, even in, in terms, aside from, the, you know, the story and the, and the acting, uh, the, the, the violence was just, all, you know, that was something else too. <laughs> for, those who, for those who like your blood and violence in your horror films, uh, this movie has quite a bit of that as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, and then it starts almost immediately, like off as like a bloodbath. Mm. <laughs> I mean... Two films into his career, and he's made one of the best genre movies, I think, ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, let's also mention that Christopher Abbott and Andrea Risenberg, Risenborough, and um, you know Mandy from uh, from Mandy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Right. You know, the cast: Jennifer Jason Lee and uh, you know uh, Robert Star Robert Stark. There, uh, what's his name? The British guy. The guy Sean Dean. Sean Bean, who just gets killed, like they yeah, him. that's his job. Yeah, to and get he killed. gets killed. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen a movie that he was in that he doesn't die. What? But does he die in Possessor, or does he just oh, get like no. horribly he, maimed? Oh, you're right. Yeah, he doesn't. He he stays alive. That's right. Yeah, he gets his fucking beat up and maimed. That's right. Yeah. One of those cases where he'd probably be better off dead. I mean. <laughs> he did a fucking number on, on him. That is one of the more gruesome scenes and a pretty gruesome movie. And that ending, I mean, we've talked about some disturbing endings with uh, The Lodge. This ending w was even more unsettling to me in some ways. I know. With the kid and, yeah, it, it was, it's just, it, it was brutal. And her reaction to it is just so unemotional. And uh, mm. it, it really is a, a really sad ending. And also, it just speaks to a lot of different things. You know, it's got multiple layers to this thing where it's just kind of, you know, and I, and I saw the extras on this because I, I didn't, um, I, I don't have the Blu-ray yet, but the, uh, I have it digitally on iTunes. Mm -hmm. And um, they, have, they include the extras if you buy it on iTunes. And so That's there's, awesome. I dug into all the, you know, the different interviews and behind the scenes stuff on there. And um so apparently this is like a alternate past. Like this is supposed to have taken place in like it's an, an alternate an alternate 2008. 
Yeah, and, yeah, that's um, really cool. Yeah, so you know, and, and uh, Cronenberg talks about why he did that, and and uh, but you know, there's all the, the the whole thing with the AI and this like you know disassociation of like our consciousness and technology and like this dystopian you know worldview and all that stuff. I think um, it also has like a if any of you guys are fa- fans of Philip K. Dick, the author. Um, it feels like a lot of the kind of topics that Dick went into in his short stories. And that's another reason why I really dig the movie. Yeah, no, totally. You could see this being a Philip K. Dick story in, in, in some ways. Um, yeah. Again, really curious to see what, what he's got up his sleeve, what, what Brandon Cronenberg's going to do next. I really do feel like he's picking up the torch from his father, but he's definitely now forging his own path and you'll see it when you see antiviral, like the influence is, is much more, is, is worn on the sleeve a lot more. Whereas this, like, you know, there's ideas there that, that wouldn't be out of place in a David Cronenberg movie, but he's definitely going his own way now. This made me think of, of you know, something like, do you think uh, David Cronenberg is, is kind of in re- like, you know, retirement mode, so to speak, or? You know, I mean, it's been a, been a little bit since one of his, his features has come out. Um, I would hope not, you know. He, I, interviews I've seen or read, he doesn't seem that enthusiastic about making another film. And he's talked about doing stuff with uh, Netflix possibly, but I don't think anything has gotten off the ground. Um, you know, it, it's funny, like, I thought David Cronenberg was going in a really, really interesting direction with you know, Spider, then A History of Violence, and then Eastern Promises. I thought that's some of his strongest stuff. Oh, yeah. And, Great movies. Yeah. And, and then his last three were just kind of went a, a, a very different way. I did not care for A, a Dangerous Method. Uh, Cosmopolis was, I, I mean, I don't even know. That was such a strange. See, I've missed the last three. Well, I've missed Cosmopolis and A Dangerous Method. What was right before that? Maps to the Stars was his last yeah. movie. Okay, and missed the last three. Um, Mike Hill, did you see any of those? Oh, 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 Maps to the Stars, that's the one that takes place in, uh, it's got Viggo Mortensen in it. Is that it? No, Maps to the Stars has Robert Pattinson, and uh, it's more of an ensemble. He kind of built it as like a comedy, and it does have this like sort of comedic component to it. it it's, it's okay. You know, but for David Cronenberg tackling like Hollywood, I, it should have just been so much more interesting than it was. Hmm. Yeah, I've seen like I haven't seen a film by him. I think in in several years then, so I think I missed a lot of those. Yeah, uh, Cosmopolis is about a guy uh, in a limo, also Robert Pattinson, going across town to get his hair cut. And um, I'm but, sure I mean, there's a little more to it. <laughs> there, it, but like, I, it's in English, but I swear to God, it, it's like watching the movie. It was like I was like, I just watched the movie in a language I don't understand. That's how I felt hmm. about Cosmopolis. <laughs> but I mean, he is one of the greatest directors of all time, and I really hope we haven't seen the last of him. Yeah, I, mean, I think me too. I love him. Yeah, yeah. He he showed up as uh, acting cameos too in a bunch of movies recently. Has he really? Yeah, there was a oh man, it's escaping me. But there was um a Canadian film that had to do it. It has like a 
like a murder in a town and he's like a podcaster, like a local podcaster. Oh, that check is, that out. And he, he shows, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm failing right now because I can't remember the title of the movie or more, in, more details about the plot. But I, I remember enjoying it. I'll have to look it up. I think I have some notes I made on it somewhere. Yeah, there's cool. a couple of things I've seen him act in. Uh, this Canadian film called Last Night, he was really good in. Uh, sort of about the end of the world and everyone on their last day on Earth. Oh, wow. Uh, he's really good in that. Uh, I love him in a quick cameo in To Die For. He plays the hitman at the end. Um, I thought that was a great choice. And of course, Nightbreed. I mean. And yes, and Jason X, right? Yes. Jason I went X. to Jason X and Nightbreed. Yep. I went to the theater to see Jason X because David Cronenberg was in it. And uh, I was like, I, that was the first time I considered walking out of a movie. I was like, well, he's not in it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Do you have uh, some, some, some honorable mentions, some, some, some runners up? Um, yeah, I got a few, um, you know, uh, Michael and I, we covered, uh, one bedroom, uh, a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of us loved it, but we liked it. And, uh, I think it's good enough to, to, to recommend to people, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it's, it was definitely a, a decent film and, um, you know, it, it's a, a one watcher, I think. You know, like it's not something I'd watch like three or four times. Like some of these films that are on my list, I've seen I don't know how many times already. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what else was there? Uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Michael, I know you saw that. I didn't like it. Uh, you know, I'm going to ruin, I'm going to school, I'm going to spoil it right now because that movie, there's no werewolf in it. So why not deliver the werewolf, man? You're going to fucking build it up. You got the winter, you got people getting mutilated. You know, you're using the term title in your title. You're saying there's a wolf and there's yeah. no wolf. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Mm, that's a bummer. But I, I kind of want to see that too. That's my, yeah. on, my, on my list. I enjoyed it. It definitely veers more towards dark comedy than horror, I think. Um, but uh, I think that's worth a watch. It was, uh, it was a fun one. Another one, uh, Scare Me. Hmm. Uh, I heard good also, things about that. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting take um, on the uh, anthology. It's a it, it, horror movie. It's two, and then at the end, three. Three people in a cabin telling stories, and you just watch them tell the stories. Um, and it's not exactly scary, but it is funny and enjoyable, and I had a good time watching it. So I'll give that movie a shout-out. And another one I considered for number five was a small movie called After Midnight. Did any of you guys see that? No. It that was um, on my list, actually, of stuff I wanted to see, believe it or not. I just never got around to it. I'm really curious as to what you, you, you think of it. It is a, a really weird movie. It's all over the place tonally. Uh, uh, it's a creature feature. It's, it's a... Uh, it's about a, uh, a relationship. Um, somewhere towards the end, like in the middle of the movie, like there is a, I think the shot is like 10 minutes long with, a, with no cuts of just the, the couple talking about their relationship. And then in the end, it ends like it, it's kind of a comedy. Um, really interesting, uh, interesting movie. Um, it was written by uh, Jeremy Gardner, who stars in the movie. 
Uh, he directed a movie called The Battery a few years back. And you guys see The Battery? No. No, no. Oh, it's, it's a really good zombie movie. You know, like, just when, like, I mean, it's, it's not exactly any, like, fresh new take on the zombie movie, but it's a good one. It's a great movie. And you've probably seen Jeremy Gardner. He popped up in Bliss as the boyfriend. Yeah. Um, also stars uh, one of my favorite podcasters, Henry Zabrowski, mostly known for uh, Last Podcast on the Left. So, uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting movie. I, I didn't see, I'd never seen anything quite like it. Um, I definitely recommend you guys check that out. Cool. That sounds okay. interesting. I, you know, it's, once again, it's something I had on my list to look into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a few that I enjoyed that didn't quite make the top uh, five. Um, one was the uh, William Friedkin documentary, Leap of Faith, about The Exorcist, which I thought was, was really awesome and uh, a, a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I, I think I could listen to William Friedkin talk all day long. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Something yeah. about him. Right? Yeah, he um, seems like a no-nonsense, you know, take-no-shit kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, and I always like hearing new things about the Exorcist. I mean, certain things I feel like I've heard before. The fact that he shot guns off during the production, um, things yeah. like that. Uh, but no, there's there's a few new takeaways. If you're a big fan of the movie, um, if you're a fan of his work, it's it's worth seeing. If you're a fan of the movie, it's it's a must see. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I enjoyed a Host on Shutter. Uh, I thought that was actually pretty cool. Would you would you guys think of that? I didn't see it, but I know it's like under an hour long, right? It's almost like a yes, short film. Yes, it's only, uh -huh. yeah, it's worth seeing. It's, it's, it's cool. And it's set during the pandemic. It's mm. like an hour. Uh, it's, I thought it was very well done. And it's, it's all on Zoom calls. Um, so it's just really interesting kind of, you know, modern, excellent. I don't know if you'd call it a short. I don't know. I guess it's a short, but uh, I enjoyed it. Um, a movie that has some controversy to it, uh, Becky. I liked Becky. Some oh. people loathed this movie. Some people hated this movie. I enjoyed Becky. I thought it was fun. Um, uh. I, I feel like <laughs> there's quite a few um, potholes in it, but I, I liked her. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was, was an interesting kind of home invasion, revenge take. <laughs> I, that's interesting. I, I, if I'm doing a worst of the year list, that might be my number one. Wow. You hated I, that much. I Wait. hated this movie. Is that the one with uh, the comedians in it who plays like the white power guy? Yeah, yeah. Yes. We talked about yes. it a little oh, bit. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. Dude, this was, this was I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah. That, that's it's it, cool. man. It's cool. Um, Just real then, quick about Becky, one. though. It's yeah, like they yeah. left out so much uh, motivation in that movie, man. Like, I want to know, like, they got, they, they, they had that thing with, like, the, the, the Vulcanute fucking runic mm -hmm. symbols on it. It's like, what was it? Like, they don't even tell you what the hell was going on. I think it's coming in Becky Part 2. That's all. Oh, you think it's going to be Because if people. there isn't a Part 2, then yes, this movie is, yeah, way too Incomplete. many Incomplete. Yeah. It's an incomplete movie, right. Um, well, it did well, so you never know. It did do well. Um, yeah, people liked it. From from Shutter, that I wish I watched around Halloween time, but I caught after Halloween. It's called the Mortuary Collection. Hmm. Um, 
it's just a really f- kind of fun movie. It's, I don't know how I could describe it. it it's a little bit of an anthology tale, but the, the, there's also kind of the meat of the movie. It's like this, this mortician and this young girl that comes to visit him and she's kind of not what she seems. It's a great kind of Halloween time movie to check out, The Mortuary Collection on Shudder. Wow, thanks for that. I'd never even heard of that, so that sounds, yeah, that sounds it's interesting. Cool. Uh, a little more, it's weird. I would say it's lighthearted, but then it has some very gruesome scenes in it as well. It has really good special effects, um, actually, for a, a small film, like very good. I was very impressed with the special effects in this movie. But awesome. uh, yeah, check out Mortuary Collection. And, uh, right. and my final notable is something I watched last night, and it is the new Mel Gibson film, Fat Man. Wow. Oh, okay. Crazy good, good, awesome movie. Um, it's a movie I think I'll be watching every Christmas from now on, let's just say. Uh, it's Mel Gibson is Santa Claus. And that's <laughs> all, I, I don't want to say any more about this movie, but it's, a, it's, it's not a comedy. It's, it's, a, it's, you know, serious, gets very violent and very dark. It's got Mel Gibson and Walter Goggins. And I love the hell out of this movie. Oh, I heard yeah, Walter, Walter Goggins is great. I've heard great things about Fat Man. I'm really interested in seeing it. Uh, it's unfortunate that Mel Gibson comes with so much baggage. It's it almost like you can't talk yeah. about any of his films without bringing up what kind of person he is. Mm. Uh, but there's something in this movie, there's an a, a interesting casting that I, I think um, will, will be like, it's a very aha. Uh, it, you know, the fact that you... You, you mentioned Mel Gibson's baggage, and that's all I'll mm. say. Cool. Well, where did you see this? Is this what's what? Where did you catch this movie? Oh, I watched it on Amazon Prime, and it was a rental for about five bucks, I believe. Nice. It was, okay. Yeah, it wasn't one of the more expensive rentals. It was one of the. It's it's one of the more uh, affordable rentals. Well, I, I'm trying to watch that tonight. Ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watch it. You should both watch it and let me know what you think of it. Uh, Definitely. Batman. All right. Yeah, Mel Gibson, man, like I. I, you know, fuck being, fuck not being able to acknowledge that guy. I mean, I know that his personal life sucks and everything. He looks like he's seen, he appears the way they portray him to be like a scumbag or whatever, but it's like, mm-hmm. the guy's a great actor, dude. And it's like, yeah, someone, someone uh, tried to ding me because I was uh, giving props to Dragged Across Concrete. Like that, great movie. Uh, Godzilla. Oh, yeah. I'm like, go oh, fuck yourself, man. It's like, what, I'm not supposed to, you know, because you're telling me I can't, like this film, which is by like one of my favorite authors, filmmakers, you know, Scott Zoller, that yeah, because, really? because Mel Gibson is in it and you don't agree with that guy. It's like, if you're going to be that way about it, then you have to like cancel Norman Mailer too, you know? <laughs> like the guy was like a total piece of shit, apparently. Mm-hmm. But back then, no one was canceling anyone. And right. so you have mm-hmm. Norman Mailer out of the conversation too, you know? So it's like, it's just too, it's too much, man. And, and uh, I, I, I you know, I, I actually believe that, uh, you know, uh, Mel Gibson's probably a scumbag, maybe, you know, who, who knows, you know, he, right. uh, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hang out with the guy. I'm not gonna invite him. <laughs> yes, that's gonna, the I'm thing. I'm not gonna yeah. introduce him to my family or anything like that. I'm just gonna watch him act in a movie. So. Right. And a great, great director too. I gotta yeah. say, Apocalypto's yeah. really great yeah. movie. Enjoying his movies is not okaying everything he does in his personal life. It's not saying I'm on board with every move you make, pal. 
You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. Don't you think yeah. there's quite a difference? You know? Absolutely. A huge difference, man. Huge. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, who's Mike Hill? Have you, you haven't given any of your runner-ups, have you? Well, the two, I have two films that I'm mentioning because I would have put them on my list, but I, I thought they both came out in 2019. So, but I'm still going to put them, I had them on my list and I took them off because of the uh, timing, but, uh, so I had the lodge, but that, I thought that came out in 2019 officially, but whatever. I mean, it, it on the States in February. Okay. Yes. It's a right, February cool. 20. Yeah. February, 2020. Yep. It's that would have been on my top five, but now it's a runner up. Okay. So there you go. Ah, okay. And we've already talked in depth about that. So um, <laughs> I also put a movie on that was a 2019 film, but surfaced in the States uh, called Dreamland by uh, directed by Bruce Pontypool McDonald. And um, it's got like, you know, Stephen McHattie's in it. He's like one of my favorites. And particularly, I love him in this movie. He's looks like uh, he could be like in the Swans or something like that. He's got <laughs> his whole vibe in the movie is just like this Bukowski-esque kind of like, uh, you know, weirdo. Um, yeah. You know, it's got Henry Rollins is in it. Uh, Juliette Lewis is in it. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, oh, and uh, Lisa Hool. And Lisa Hool and McHattie were also also in Pontypool. And at the end, in Pontypool, I rewatched it. After the credits, there's like, and I don't know if this was on every single version of the film, but there's like a, uh, like a post-credit role of them being transported into like some other alternate reality where they're actually the characters in Dreamland. And because, uh, you know, the McCaddy and, and Hool get blown up at the end of uh, Pontypool. And um, I just, I don't know, it's like this weird continuum, multiverse, dream world. And even at the end of Dream World, Dreamland, they're being transported into yet another reality. So it's like very, very interesting, sort of. And, the, you know, the movie's got its flaws. I'm not saying it's like... There are times when you don't know what the hell is going on. I get it. But I, I, the atmosphere and the acting and just the, uh, the kind of like the vibe of the film. It's more about vibe, I think. I mean, there's a, like, I just respond to the atmosphere. Mm, yeah. So it was really cool. You told me to check it out and then we did, a, did an episode on it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you liked it, but I thought it was cool. I, I didn't like it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. <laughs> but I think interesting, interesting movie. Check it out. I think people should yeah. check it out, though, for sure. And then there's like some other high hopes films which I didn't get a chance to see before the end of the year, before this episode. And there's uh, the new uh, Justin Benson, Aaron Morehouse film, Synchronic, which I'm trying to find. The, the, I don't think you can see it like streaming yet. Um, uh, January. Yeah, so that, maybe that'll be on next year's list. But this is uh, you know the guys who brought us Resolution, The Endless. Yeah. Uh, there's a uh, Impedigore, which is uh, an Indonesian film by the um, same guy who brought us uh, Satan Slaves, which was a, a movie that I really dug, and uh, you know, made the Devil Take You Two, which is the sequel to Made the Devil Take You. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that Indonesia's got a lot of really great 
genre films coming out these days. And um, yeah, maybe we should do an episode where we dive into some of that too. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, any, yeah. uh, any singular 2021 uh, expectate like movie that you're really looking forward to? Either one of you? I was going to say the Batman, but that's been pushed to 2022. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, we should, we should definitely, the three of us do that when it comes out. Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Um, I, for me, it's, it's Halloween, it's Halloween, uh, you know, the, the yeah. next Halloween, uh, that is in the can, thank God. Um, and hopefully comes out Halloween 2021. <laughs> yeah, I would say Halloween for me. And then also, I don't know if this is coming out in 2021, but there's a film adaption of the Stephen King novel revival. Which have any that that book? It's a it's a novel, long long novel. Um, it's you know Stephen King throughout his career has uh, flirted with cosmic horror. You know, there's like a short story called Crouch End, which is like uh, basically. I love that story. Yeah, it's great, right? It's uh, that's my favorite. Yeah, it's like a Lovecraftian kind of thing. And resolution, uh, resolution, yeah, revival is a novel that dives full on into cosmic horror and uh and, but with a very deliberate stephen king uh twist to it and uh they're making a film out of it and i think that's supposed to be coming out in 2021 so we'll keep an eye out for that one awesome. yeah, i want to read that book based on everything you've said about it mike on, on other podcasts <laughs> so. great man it's excellent yeah. it's got like a really bleakness to it uh very like a just that dread like you get to look into you know, he takes a look into a different dimension. And I don't know. It's just really cool. Really good book. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to read it. Uh, I haven't really liked a Stephen King novel in, in quite a while. I, his short stories have always been great, but um, I think the last one I read was Duma Key, and it was just, I, I stopped reading about halfway through. And I haven't liked many of the Stephen King adaptations that have been coming out lately. I, I didn't like it or Pet Cemetery or or I hadn't I know there's a new version of the Stand coming out soon. Uh, I just definitely yeah, want to check, check that, that out. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully that'll turn it around for me. You know, um, I know Mike that you you read Preacher, you know, back in the day, and you're, yeah. you're, you're a fan of the Garth Ennis. Uh, you know, have you have you seen the um, the series? Any of the any of the two seasons of that? I did watch all of season one and most of season two, and I did not see the final season, and I really do want to see it. Um, I'm going to do some, some catch-up on that. I liked it. I, 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 I didn't love it. I feel like Preacher, in a lot of ways, is, was almost unfilmable. Uh, I, I feel like they, they caught as much of the grit that they could have caught, but they, it just wasn't all there, you know? I liked the casting, though. I liked all the characters. But I think that, I don't know, some, some books, some graphic novels, some comics, they don't completely transfer well onto the TV or, or film, you know, genres. And I feel like Preacher might almost be one of those. Like, it's, like, maybe a little too much. I don't know. That, that was my thought. I, uh, you know, I love Garth Ennis. I love the Preacher uh, graphic novels. One something that's probably never going to happen, but what I would love to see is Richard Stanley doing Preacher. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Like, think about <laughs> Dust Devil. Like, Dust Devil had like you know like this kind of vibe. And I would love to see something like that. I don't know. It's never gonna happen. Yeah. I mean, I think the boys is somehow transferring better. Is is you know what I'm saying connecting better as a series than I think Preacher was. You know, did the boys? Yeah, I think the like, boys is definitely phenomenal, insanely great, and yeah. they where they deviate, you know, they deviate from the story, obviously, but they do it in a really cool way. And I like, I like it. Different character, they interpret some of the characters differently, you know, like Stormwatch, you know? Yeah, no, 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 yeah. Um, and there's something else coming, I, I hope, next year. Um, if you're a fan of The Boys, this is something that's somewhat in that wheelhouse, but it's way more serious. Uh, Jupiter's Legacy, uh, Mark Millar. Uh, I would yes. recommend you check that out. Both of you check that out. It's really sure. interesting. Jupiter's Legacy. It's in a it's in a couple of different trades and volumes and, and runs, <clears throat> but if you start at the beginning, um, it is awesome. Right on. Yeah, it's coming. To, I forget what streaming service it's coming to though. I'm not. I don't think I, I can't recall that. <laughs> Look it up. But it's so many coming now. next year. I know they were. Oh my god. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to Jupiter's legacy. Awesome. I'm sure there's a million things I'm looking forward to that I'm completely forgetting right now. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, By the time, you know, like January rolls out, there'll be e even more, you know, things coming. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, just a note to the listeners. Uh, we're going to be taking off, uh, the last two weeks of December. So Necromaniacs is going dark for the holidays, <laughs> even though we're always pretty dark, if you think about it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be back on in uh, the first week of January. Right, guys? Back with a vengeance. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's been a great year. Um, and, you know, amidst the pandemic, we, we managed to roll out a lot of episodes and get a lot of new listeners. And, uh, you know, thank you all so much. For checking us out each week and your instagram and your facebook uh, support uh you know we really appreciate it and thanks to you two guys for for inviting me to to do the show with you it's been a lot of fun yeah. uh during a time when like you know not a lot of fun is to be had <laughs> there's not a whole lot to do <laughs> so yeah this this is giving me something to to focus on so thanks for having me guys Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having you. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's been it's been a good you know. I mean, in in light of everything else that's been going on, it's been a, a good year when it, when it comes to this. And I think that you know, our, our coming out weekly is is cool. And I think that uh, it's a good way for us to connect with people and for all, all three of us to stay connected too. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. All right, everybody. Happy holidays. Uh, whatever holiday you're celebrating or not celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> Happy yeah, holidays, to everyone, and uh, happy holidays to you guys. And uh, yeah, yeah we'll too. see everybody in uh, the first week of January. So take care. Great. Later, guys. Take care. Bye.